0: While we are in the midst of our own unique, difficult situations and circumstances, whether that's combat deployments, illness, financial troubles, loneliness, addiction, relationship struggles, or even rocket launches, God gives each of us the ability to choose the decision path of either hope or fear.
1: Welcome to the Storytellers Live podcast, where everyday women share stories of hope, I'm Robin, and I'm here with Lindy and Katie, and we are your podcast hosts. Today, we have a really unique story. How many of us can say that we um, know someone that's an astronaut <laughs> or related Much or married? Less that's your husband, <laughs> right? Related to someone. <laughs> so, you may remember if you have been a longtime listener that Stacey Morgan did an episode, it's episode 149, on friendship. And it was a great story on just having adult friendships. Well, the more we were talking, I found out her husband was, in fact, an astronaut and was in space during the pandemic. He left in regular time, came home in the pandemic, and I said, I I just want to hear that story. Mm -hmm. It's not often that we have a storyteller Mm -hmm. on the podcast twice, but if you're going to have one, it's going to be an astronaut's wife. (laughs) It's just so cool. And so you're going to hear in her story. It's set up a little different than our normal Storytellers Mm -hmm. Lab podcast episodes, because Stacy is a true storyteller, mm-hmm. and you jump right in, mm-hmm. in almost in space. Mm-hmm. Like they, she starts the story at liftoff. I, d- I did. I felt like I was standing alongside of her,
2: waiting for the rocket to be launched <laughs> into space. I, you know, I will have a new appreciation for the families of astronauts as they stand there and watch, you know, a rocket lift off. I mean, oftentimes we're sitting there and we're just excited to watch it. I've never thought about what's going through the mind of the family members that are there. Mm -hmm. She gives a beautiful description of that. And of course,
1: I love it that she ties it into the book of Esther so beautifully. You're going to love her story. It's just something unique and different. And talking to an astronaut's wife, (laughs) is so cool that I had a thousand questions. (laughs) And so you're going to hear... Um, At the very end of this episode, I started asking questions, which we have made a Patreon episode. We do story within the story when someone shares their story and we want to know more about it. And this was definitely a place with loads of questions. And so we're going to go on and play one question for you at the end of this episode. So hang in there so you don't miss it. And then if you want to hear the full conversation, you can join Patreon or if you're already a member, we are so thankful. So you can click the link in the bio and join today. And here's Stacy's story.
0: It's July 20th, 2019, and I'm literally on the other side of the world, driving across old, bumpy Soviet-era roads in the middle of Kazakhstan. My kids and I have been riding in a hot van for about 45 minutes, and I've got a knot in my stomach that won't go away. When the van finally comes to a stop and the kids and I tumble out, it may be nine o'clock at night here on the desert steppe it's still close to 100 degrees outside. We're in the middle of nowhere but as we look around we take in a bizarre celebratory scene that we see in front of us. Hundreds of people are milling about, most of them speaking languages I don't understand. Many are dressed for the evening in full outer space theme. A man saunters by in a full astronaut costume complete with bubble helmet. These are the space tourists, and they have paid thousands of dollars to travel from across the globe for this moment, a chance to witness a Soyuz rocket launch live and in person. This one just happens to have my husband and his two crewmates strapped into the tiny capsule on top. Now, you might be asking yourself, why the heck was an American astronaut launching on a Russian rocket from Kazakhstan and not launching from Florida like I've seen in every Hollywood space movie? Well, let me take a quick minute to enlighten you. The space shuttle, which everyone knows and loves, flew for 30 years, but that program ended in 2011. Unfortunately, it ended before we had an American spacecraft replacement, but we still needed to get American astronauts to and from the International Space Station because the the station cannot operate without both American and Russian crew on board. So what was NASA to do? Well, from 2011 until just last year when SpaceX started launching Crew Dragon from Florida, NASA had no choice but to bum rides on Russian rockets. Now, Russia started launching Soyuz rockets back in 1967 when they were still the USSR in the middle of a space race with the United States. And if you wanted to build a secret space base far from Western eyes, where would you go? Probably the same place the Soviets did to what is now Kazakhstan. Far in the desert steppes, literally in the middle of nowhere, the Soviets built an entire city out of nothing a city built for one purpose, to launch rockets. So if you want to watch someone launch into space in 2019, like my husband did, you have to travel to the other side of the globe, to a country you've never heard of, to a formerly secret Soviet city called Baikonur. So that's how I found myself on July 20th, 2019 at the Baikonur Cosmodrome, waiting for what will be either one of the best or worst days of my life. Now, since all the tourists are moving to the left, our escort guided us to the right. And we bypass the relatively well-lit grandstand area filled with those giddy space enthusiasts. And then we pass the gaggle of international press and science reporters who have set up their forest of tripod cameras and portable lights. We find an open spot on the far end of the field where it's darker and quiet. We're close enough that I can hear the reporters speaking into their cameras in preparation for the launch that will begin in less than 30 minutes. One voice in particular reaches my ears. It's a British reporter and she's narrating everything that had unfolded earlier in the day with particular emphasis on the family she had observed, a family that happens to be mine. She doesn't know that the very family she's telling the world about is standing right next to her. After a few minutes of milling about, my escort gently encourages me to move towards the middle of our viewing area. He peers at his watch and tells me that we are under 10 minutes until launch and that knot in my stomach grows tighter. We have a good view of the launch pad that appears directly in front of us, only about a mile away, which by rocket launch standards is really close. I tell the kids, come here, with a voice that sounds deep and solemn, even to my own ears. I tell them, we're gonna move up to the front and we're gonna hold hands while we wait for the launch. And I don't know if it's an understanding of the gravity of the situation or just my tone of voice, but I don't hear any of the usual complaining that comes with being told to hold hands with a sibling. Two minutes out, my escort tells me. There are no blaring announcements over a loudspeaker or giant digital countdown clocks like spectators had at the shuttle launches in Florida. It's just us looking at our own watches and phones in the dark, knowing that the Russian ground crew will ignite the rocket at exactly 9.28 p.m not a minute earlier or later. My fingers tingle as I grip a small sweaty hand with each of mine and my breathing is shallow and rapid so I take a quick deep breath to help center myself. If I didn't have the children there with me, I think I might be tempted to sink to the ground and just let the intense feelings of anxiousness overwhelm me. But as I glance down to check my own watch, I catch a glimpse of my tattoo peeking out from behind my watch band. It's brand new, inked only three weeks before. And in fancy slanted script, it says Esther 414, a reference to an Old Testament Bible verse that has always spoken to me, but never more than in that moment. Now, if you've never read the book of Esther, I cannot recommend this particular story enough because this book has everything, a crazy king, a beauty pageant, a reluctant queen, secret identities, dangerous plots. And for those of you that are into that kind of thing, a particularly gruesome ending for the villain of the story. But it's the character of Esther herself and the choices in her life that have always felt personal to me. Because unfortunately, in my 40 plus years on this earth, I have never seen water turned into wine, or unfortunately, never audibly heard a divine voice. But I have, on several occasions, felt the faith stirring that comes with knowing God has placed me at a divine crossroads, and he's giving me the choice of which road to travel. At the point in the story that my tattoo references, Esther is at a crossroads. Her uncle has given her critical information about a plot to wipe out her people, and he's asking her to do something. Now, it's clear to us as the reader which path Esther should choose, or this Bible story is going to be real short. But in this story, don't miss the fact that God allows Esther to make a choice. It is fully in her power to walk away. And the verse inked on my wrist is her uncle's response when he senses her hesitation. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. God inserted Esther into a moment of history for a specific purpose, but he still gave her the choice of how to respond. Would she choose the path dictated by fear, which in this case would mean doing nothing, or would she choose the path paved in hope, willing to act and face her fears, confident that God would use the situation regardless of the outcome for his greater purpose? Either path she chooses, she knows her life will change dramatically and may prove fatal. And it's important to note that God placed her there at that time in that place, just as she is. He does not grant her any extra superpowers or divine wisdom. It's just her with all of her talent, skills, personality, and good and bad aspect of who she is for that moment. If she chooses to be brave and chooses hope, Esther will have to have faith that God would enable her to do what had to be done. Spoiler alert, Esther chooses to step up like a complete boss, and in her words, If I perish, I perish. (laughs) I wish I had guts like Esther, don't you? Now, standing in a hot, dry field on the opposite side of the world, waiting for that one-minute countdown to begin, I know it pales in comparison to the life or death decision Esther faced. But in that moment, in my soul, I was her. The emotional cocktail of pride and excitement and elation and nervousness and stress and fear is so strong, I feel completely overwhelmed. As I imagine Esther's was, my mind is filled with unanswerable questions. What if something goes wrong? What if the rocket explodes? Have I just said goodbye to my husband of 20 years forever? Because look, even with the years of training and full confidence in the equipment and technology, things happen. Mistakes are made. I've seen it happen. On the flip side, even if everything goes perfectly, what comes next? What will life be like with Drew in space and us back here on Earth? What if something happens while he's gone and he obviously can't come home? Will I be able to handle all the logistics and the emotional burden of raising four kids on my own? while our relationships suffer? When it comes down to it, do I have the skills, support, and endurance I will need for this marathon mission? It feels like I am standing on the edge of a psychological cliff with my toes dangling off the edge, not knowing if in a few short moments I will be filled with the elation of a successful rocket launch to the International Space Station, or the shocking downward plunge into a new life, mourning the loss of my best friend and my children's father. My fear and uncertainty are palpable as I stand in my crossroads and my heart is pounding like a drum. And like Esther knew when she stood in the middle of her divine crossroads, I also know that no matter which way this launch goes, my life and the lives of my children will never be the same. Both outcomes are filled with uncertainty and unknowns, and it's the fear of those which far outweigh my fear of the rocket launch itself. 30 seconds, a voice calls out from the darkness behind me. We can see the support structures beginning to move on the launch pad. 10 seconds, we could feel the rocket engines before we heard them. The sonic rumblings traveled through the hard ground and vibrated our feet. Then the wave of the massive engine roar reached us, rolling up our bodies and vibrating in our chest. And the fiery blast of the engines blinded us as the rocket rose higher and higher into the night sky. The light is so bright, my brain wants me to look away, but I'm not doing it. Whatever happens, I want to see every second of it. So whether the rocket continues to rise off the ground in a glorious arc of fire or suddenly explodes in a massive plume of smoke, I'm watching. I allow myself a few gulping sobs and that small emotional release helps me stay calm. Now down at the other far end of the field, we can hear the cheers and the celebration from the space tourists. This is exactly what they've come to see. It is magnificent and awe inspiring and worth every penny. It is a bucket list event. And for them, the party has just begun. But back on our side of the field, a heavy silence engulfs us. There are no high fives or fist pumps. We know the crew intimately and we know that we are not out of the woods yet. And as we wait, it feels like a holy moment, standing in the dark, surrounded by people but saying nothing, just watching the rocket travel further and further away until it's just a dot of light on the far side of the sky, like a distant star. About nine minutes after launch, my escort was finally able to give us the news we'd been waiting for. Second stage is complete, he told me. Drew's in space. We could all finally stop holding our breath. Now, just like I've never had to make a save my people from complete annihilation decision, you've probably never launched anyone into outer space, but you probably have at some point stood like I did, like Esther did, in the crossroads of hope and fear, a place in time where God allows you to make a decision. And you know that either path you choose, life will never be the same. I know I've stood in this crossroads before. I remember that feeling when my husband deployed to Afghanistan, and then to Iraq and then back to Afghanistan when I had to drive away from the hospital, leaving my newborn baby daughter in the NICU without me. I know I felt it when Hurricane Harvey hit and flooded half my town. And I know I've felt it several times during this pandemic. And having stood in this crossroads so many times, I now finally feel like I understand this basic truth. And that's that while we are in the midst of our own unique difficult situations and circumstances, whether that's combat deployments, illness, financial troubles, loneliness, addiction, relationship struggles, or even rocket launches, God gives each of us the ability to choose the decision path of either hope or fear. And whether we like it or not, we will live our lives by either one or the other. And if we don't make an active decision to choose hope, our default will always be fear. Now, fear is reactionary and it's defensive And it leads to an eventual downward spiral into despair. Fear tells our heart that scary outside forces have dominion over our lives. We better grasp and grapple for whatever scraps of control we can reach. I know a lot of people live in their life like that right now. And fear tells us that if the worst thing happens, our life will no longer be worth living or that everything good in our life as we know it is over. The alternative, hope, isn't a blind optimism or a denial of reality. Like fear, hope says that your life is not your own, but unlike fear, hope speaks the truth that a power much greater than current events or our own abilities is in control and that we can rest in that divine power to sustain us. With hope, we gain the ability to move forward and embrace life confidently and with peace, no matter what happens, because we trust in a God who is with us in both the best and the worst of times. When Drew was deployed to combat zones across the globe or orbiting above me in space, I felt God's hope speaking to me, telling me that even if the worst thing happened and Drew did not come home, life might be different, but it would still be worth living and full of good things. Even so, each day I had to make a choice of which path to travel, just like you do, every single day, fear or hope, which will we choose? When we choose hope in the face of whatever crazy and scary thing we are facing, we say to God, I trust you. When we choose hope, we are saying to him, I'm willing to take a risk to step forward on this hopeful path that is full of unknowns, not because I trust myself or anyone else or anything else in this world, but because I trust you. When we do that, when we choose that path of hope, confident that no matter what happens, God will use the outcome for his good, Well, that's when things start to get really exciting, because when I open my Bible and I read the stories that I find in there, and I look back into my own history and reflect on my own memories, I see the clear pattern that God takes people who choose hope, and he invites them into epic adventures with him and into the miraculous, and as I think about what's next in my own story, I know that this chapter did not begin when the rocket launched just as it did not end when it landed in the middle of a pandemic, which is another crazy story. My faith story began years, if not decades ago, when I chose this life, one full of excitement and fun and adventure, but also risk and heartbreak and danger. And I can see now that the first big step that allowed me to not just survive, but thrive in whatever stressful season or weird season I found myself in, that first step was to actively choose hope, no matter what came down the life pipeline. Not a hope based on wishes and dreams or rainbows and unicorns or blissful happy endings or even my own abilities, but the kind of hope that we are offered each day with God's strength to look our fears and the uncertainties of life straight in the eye and continue to move forward no matter what happens because he is with us and will enable us to do what must be done. It's the kind of hope you have to choose to put on each morning, the kind of gutsy hope we hear in Esther's voice when she says, if I perish, I perish. If we want a life of meaning, of purpose, of risk and adventure, but also of peace and rest and contentment, we have only one choice each day. We must choose hope.
2: I don't know about you, but I feel like I have been to a rocket launch. (laughs) What she is an incredible storyteller. Yes. And I mean, I could just feel the I mean, uh-huh. I think my hands started sweating and I could feel the anticipation. And I just thought, oh man, but when she said divine crossroad mm-hmm. between fear and hope, mm-hmm. I mean, how many of us, regardless, I mean, this this huge circumstance, a rocket launch, just when our when we send our kids to college yeah. coming up on tryout season, mm-hmm. I mean, I get nervous when my husband boards an international flight. Yeah. It is a divine mm-hmm. crossroads. And and when she kind of put it into perspective, I thought, man, you know, so many times during the day, we are at that intersection of fear mm-hmm. and hope. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also love the adjectives she gave, you know, fear adjectives versus hope adjectives yeah. and what the difference is between the two of them. And then also, you know, of course, as I said at the beginning, I love that she ties it into the book of Esther. If you haven't read the book of Esther, go back and read it. It brings so much hope in the fact that, God is going to equip you mm-hmm. just when you need it. You know, stop playing the what ifs in your head. She talks about that in her story. You know, what if What if he dies? How will I raise these children? You know, we, we go into these movies. We talk about that a lot, mm-hmm. how we play these movies in our head of things that have not happened. God is going to give you exactly what you need when you need it. And you know the one thing that Esther did to, in order to experience that is she fasted and she prayed mm-hmm. and she positioned herself for it. Mm-hmm. And so I I do love that she tied those the book of Esther together
1: with that hope and fear concept. Yes, and you know we Katie you said this in your story years ago and storytellers have said it since that God doesn't give us grace for our imagination right. and our what ifs and where we go and Stacy's story is a perfect example of that. And y'all, I am so excited to say that if you have listened to Stacy's story and thought, I have one million questions, <laughs> so did we. And the good news is that Stacy has written a book called The Astronaut's Wife. And so you can get a lot more information there, largely about her spiritual journey and really her her walk with the book of Esther and what that looked like. So you can buy that anywhere books are sold. But also, if you were just curious about how they ended up being astronauts and an astronaut family, how they ended up in space, the whole thing. We did a Patreon episode. And so Amy Grody and I asked her a lot of questions about. What life was like on earth while he was gone, what it was like for him to return home in a pandemic, how they stayed in connection and had a healthy marriage when he literally was not on this earth and they were six hours apart in time. And so we're going to play one of those questions for you now about that, about what their family life was like and staying connected in marriage and returning in a pandemic. And then there were also many, many more questions over on Patreon. And so that's this week's story within the story. So if you are a Patreon member, you will have it on Friday. And if not, this is the perfect time to join. And here's the question that I asked Stacy: He left in 2019 and came home in a pandemic. What was that like? Well,
0: so the irony, we talked about this a lot when he, when he came home. For 10 months, well, pretty much for 10 months, he'd been away for 10 months. He was on station for nine. And in that nine months, you know, he only had face to face contact with about 10 people. Right. And so um, when he when he left the station, he had gone from isolation with five crewmates in space, and then he landed and because of the pandemic, he in essence came home and came into isolation with five family crewmates five crewmates who were far less uh, gracious and easy to live with than the five that he had lived with in space, right? And so it's like isolation in one place to isolation in another. All the normal things that would normally happen when a a crew comes back to earth, all those things got canceled or postponed. Um, And so other than occasionally he'd have like a physical therapy session he needed to go to or something, but pretty much we went from totally not living together for 10 months to 24 seven together in this house with our children, because uh, of course school, you know was like virtual at the time or whatever. So I'll just say, I would not recommend it for every marriage, okay. <laughs> it, is, um, it was, let's just say an abrupt transition back to like full married life. I don't think that we've ever spent like a lot of married couples until the pandemic. I don't think we've ever spent that amount of time together, you know, uninterrupted <laughs> wake up you know to bedtime like and certainly with all these older children around and and wanting to do all these things and being restricted and having to stay inside or whatever so that was a that was an adjustment again good healthy communication patterns um the occasional long walk you know socially distanced alone in the neighborhood was definitely a healthy outlet for a little me time but I mean, we were, we were thrilled to have him back. And, and in the end, it was, it was great for us. And it did allow us the, the opportunity to kind of sit together and talk through some experiences that had happened over the last nine months that honestly, we really hadn't had the chance to talk about. I mean, truthfully, you know, you heard my story of the launch, but he had a completely different experience, right, that day. And we talked about it a little bit, well, you know, but honestly, by the time we had a good phone conversation when he got into space, it was like day two, day three. Well, a lot of other crazy, amazing things had happened. So you if you don't kind of circle back and take the time to be like, okay, tell me the story of how the launch was for you. Life moves on. And I think this is true. We found this to be true with his deployments. I think that this is true in anybody's marriage. Like you're living a life uh, together, but often kind of like in parallel. And if you don't take the time to kind of bridge those parallel lives by sharing your perspectives and your stories together there can be these huge gaps of time where you have just been kind of paralleling each other and not really connecting and so one of the biggest benefits to being stuck in the same house unable to go anywhere was it did give us some big blocks of uninterrupted time to sit and be like tell me how the launch was for you from your perspective, from the kid's perspective, or what was the landing like for you? What is it like watching my spacewalks or what was it, you know, what was like doing the spacewalks like, and just kind of telling each other those stories. And I will obviously never experience it the way he did, and he will never experience it the way I did, but it's kind of the next best thing. And you feel like you have at least uh, bridged that gap a little bit. It's the best you can.
1: Well, we hope that you all love today's story, that you were encouraged, that maybe you were able to use your imagination and travel to space (laughs) and put yourself in the shoes of someone else for a little while in a really unique situation. If you are not on our email list, this is also a great week to join that. I don't know if y'all know, but every week we send out an email that's about our storyteller, that's about the episode. And Katie does these amazing questions on what you will learn or these amazing statements on what you will learn within the story. And that's the only place you can find that. And then you'll also get information like where we have gatherings that month. If there's a conference or if one of us from storytellers is speaking somewhere, all of that shows up in the weekly email. And so go today to our website. It's storytellerslive.org and sign up or you can look in our bio on Instagram at Storytellers Live Podcast. And we would love for you to be our email friend. (laughs) So we will talk to you next week. Bye.